This podcast is brought to you by Upgrade Fitness. Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Thanks to Upgrade Fitness for their support. Find out more about their new offering shortly. Coming up this week, Guernsey Cricket's new era is underway. We'll reflect on a testing few days for the island's men as they hosted Hampshire's Academy. The games have been probably obviously not so much yesterday, but the game the first two games were very competitive. They've also got a few standout players, a couple played in the uh, under-19 Ashes, I believe. So to play against those, that sort of talent and those guys is great for us. You know, we don't get much exposure over here. So the more games we can play against teams like that, the better. We'll also hear from Guernsey cyclist Jack Reed about living and racing in France and how he's being helped along the way with the prestigious support of SportsAid. When I went to the welcoming event in London last month, I was sort of around all of these athletes my age, the, the, the country's best really. I felt like I was motivated before, but then I was like, right, I want to really try 120% when I get back to France and really sort of give something back for what they're giving me. And we'll speak to leading golfer Jeremy Nicholl ahead of a huge summer for the sport and the start of our own Guernsey Press Elite Foursomes this weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's done all right for me changing partners. So, um, yeah, I'm playing with Dad this year. Um, that'll be interesting. Hopefully uh, we'll still be talking by the end of the week. That's that's the biggest goal, I suppose. But, yeah, it'll be, uh, I enjoy the foursomes. Obviously, I had a good couple of years playing in it. So hopefully we can uh, have a little bit of a run and see if we can get anywhere with it. I'm Tony Kurt, and alongside me for all that is the Guns Press Sports Editor, Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. And also from the Sports Desk, Jamie Ingle. Hi, Tony. Welcome, guys. Um, yeah, Gareth, a bit of a Hampshire theme, I guess, this week, because, um, yeah, the golfers have also been involved, didn't they, in the annual county match or the return of the county match against Hampshire over in Jersey. Um, more on that with Jez, but let's start um, with your moments of the week. Um, I'm guessing it's cricket. Yeah, it's great to be back down at the KG5, a sunny KG5 actually, for um, for three matches um, between what they describe as a GCB 11 and um, the Hampshire Academy. There was due to be four matches, but unfortunately the overnight rain on Saturday into Sunday left the, the outfield very, very wet and uh, it wasn't playable. But um, the three games they, they got to put on were really worthwhile. There's a T20 on the on the first day, which proved to be a really close game, which was just edged by the, the Hampshire side. And then um, there was two 50-over games with Guernsey winning the first of those um, by three wickets. A really good performance there. And uh, Hampshire got their revenge on Saturday when they um, they bowled Guernsey out for about 115 and then knocked off the runs pretty quickly with um, with the threat of rain looming at that point. They sort of went into T20 mode and and uh, won that one quite comfortably. But uh, no, it was a really, really worthwhile exercise, especially for the island side. That you know, Like you say, Tony, it's a new regime there now. They've got the sort of selection panel and Jeremy Frith is now the director of cricket. And um, they want to have a look at a lot of players. And they, I think best part of two dozen players turned out for Guernsey over those three games. And yeah, there were some really impressive performances. Um, word for Dane Mullen, who took four wickets in that win on Friday. He um, just showed the virtues of bowling, good line and length, knowing where you're trying to bowl and uh, making it difficult for the batsman. I mean, he's not express pace, Dane, by any stretch of the imagination, but he puts it on a good line and length. He can bowl a good Yorker as well. And um, yeah, he deserved his four wickets. And um 
Uh, on Saturday, I thought Charlie Forshaw was excellent. He's he's one of our under-19s. He's only a, a young lad, but he's definitely put on a, at least a yard of pace over the winter, probably a bit more He's as he grows. He's um, he's keeping his, his good uh, bowling action, but um, it's certainly um, getting quicker as, as he grows up. And uh, he um, he had a four-wicket burst, which reduced Hampshire from 88-1 to 1 to 93-5. for five. So that was a really good effort from him. Um, there wasn't a huge amount of runs scored, which isn't unusual in April considering the sort of conditions. I mean, it was a decent pitch, but against good bowling and sort of the rustiness showed a bit with the batting. But um, I think there's plenty of positives to take for Guernsey. Yeah, awesome. Let's hear what the Guernsey captain had to say, um, Josh Butler, who's also, of course, on that selection panel, um, chatted to you over the weekend. After three games, obviously the fourth one's been called off, unfortunately, because of the weather. But um, what do you sort of take from what you've seen over over the weekend? Yeah, obviously trying to take as many positives as possible. I think uh, getting over the line yesterday was was quite a big one for us. Um, Friday, sorry, you know, chasing down a, a sort of low low score is always always ends up being tricky if you like. So to get over the line was a really really big positive for us. Um, Charlie Forshaw yesterday with the balls a massive positive. He bowled really nicely, uh, and even the first day I think they were eighty for two off the pat off their first ten, and we clawed them back and kept them to 120 so plenty of positives probably should have won that first game as well but um you know you probably can't be too harsh given it's april and it's our first run out on grass um and certainly from my standpoint the, the sort of the standard of the competition was probably what you're sort of looking for was very talented um but also competitive games yeah very good side obviously and the games have been probably obviously not so much yesterday but the game the first two games are very competitive they obviously got a few standout players a couple played in the uh, under 19 ashes i believe um, one of whom being is, is Dom Kelly, who sounds like a very, very good prospect. Um, so to play against those, that sort of talent and those guys is great for us. You know, we don't get much exposure over here. So the more games we can play against teams like that, the better. Uh, from your captaincy point of view, um, the amount of options you've had over the, the three games, I mean, you've plenty of players involved. Um, is that good to see sort of moving forward? Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's good for the players to get an opportunity, um, I think. Again, in the past couple of years where we've just played entrances and just played tournaments, it's hard to give lads an opportunity to prove themselves. I think games like this is great for, you know, potential, you know, maybe more, more the fringe players to come in and really try put their put their case forward. Um, which, again, such as Charlie Forshaw this weekend has, has taken a chance with both hands. It was great to see. Yeah. So from the sort of short-term weekend to the, the middle term of sort of like the whole season, are you pretty optimistic with how things are looking? Yep, obviously... You know, the, the more cricket we play, the better. So, you know, for us, our next uh, Guernsey games, if you like, I think the MCC games, with, so they'll be strong. We're looking to put out our strong teams as well. Uh, and then that will lead into a GPL with hopefully some Hampshire Academy players and professionals. And then that will lead into the Jersey T20s. So plenty of cricket for us um, and plenty of chances to, to prove ourselves. Uh, Josh Butler there. Um, so, yeah, Guernsey's season um, well underway. Plenty more to come as well. What about the domestic stuff? I should probably look at the fixture list because I, I might be playing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, the evening league has started. I sort of took a bit of a wander up the KG5 on, on Monday night. And uh, yeah, that was the first uh, Division 3 game. I think that was Strollers and Pilgrims up there. But um, the 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 top flight players, um, they start with their, with their 80 competition, which is like the shortened version of the 100 um, at the start of May. So that's uh, next week. And then the evening league proper starts a couple of weeks after that in terms of the, the Premier Division. But um, yeah, it, it's sort of all comes thick and fast now. And um, yeah, and hopefully there's 
word is we'll also see a few of those Hampshire Academy guys back for the GPL later in the summer. So there's a there's a lot to look forward to there. Oh, brilliant news. Yeah, I'm starting to sweat. Actually, think I'm probably going to get a phone call at some point, <laughs> quarter past six one night. Where are you? Um, Jamie, your moment of the week? Um, yeah, so it's exciting to be back at Foots Lane for the start of the new track and field season. And I think realistically, it's one of the best openers we could have asked for. Um I guess to name a few standout performances, we had Kate Bain running 212 for 800 metres. Um, she's only 17. Four seconds may be a decent chunk over 800 metres, but she seems to consistently be improving by about that much each season. And if she does that again, then yeah, that's she's going to be definitely in the ballpark of a Guernsey record, which would be really exciting to see. Yeah, it's a fairly long-standing record held by Nat Whitty, who's yeah fantastic runner across the distance spectrum. We also had Josh Avery throwing a massive uh, javelin PB and beating Ireland number one, James Bugord, which is always exciting to see. Like you want the youngsters coming through and challenging their senior counterparts. And yeah, we had a nice sprint double by Isabel Lowe, who ran a particularly good time in the 200 metres. Well, it all bodes pretty well then uh, <laughs> ahead of the Ireland Games. That's what you want, isn't it? A strong yeah. opener um, to sort of <laughs> whet the appetite and get people moving in the right direction. Um, you also had one, I, I'm sure, mm. on the London Marathon on Sunday. Yeah, I think I think there are two real standouts for me. Um, firstly, Megan Chapel making her debut over distance. Uh, obviously, she's better known as Guernsey's top female triathlete. But yeah, she jumped right to second on Guernsey's all-time list and was only 34 seconds off the island record. So um, she's going to have a busy summer focusing on the island games triathlon etc challenging for a title but if she ever fancies going back to it she knows she's definitely got a good shot at that record yeah that's an incredible performance and then yeah of course we have to also we have to also credit pete amy he's not had the easiest last five years having major spinal surgery to treat cancer but and being told it there's a good chance we'll never run again. So to come back, run a five-minute marathon PB of 2.37, that's also incredibly impressive. And he's a real inspiration, I think so. Yeah, I mean, that sits very nicely amongst the, the fantastic stories you hear at, at the marathon, um, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, that, that's really awesome. Um, I mean, overall, it was quite an impressive morning. There was some, I mean, the elite races were mm. pretty inspirational, weren't they? Some amazing <laughs> stuff there. So, um, yeah, congratulations to everyone uh, who got around. Um, uh, there was quite a long list of Guernsey runners, weren't there, um, over there on Sunday um, and some uh, some fantastic stuff. So, yeah, well done to everyone there. Um, right, that's it for part one. Coming up next, we'll be talking cycling. Welcome back. First, let's tell you about our sponsor. Upgrade is a new state-of-the-art gym and fitness center, uh, purpose-built for gym goers by gym lovers. It'll feature the latest in high-tech equipment, unmatched anywhere locally, and offer professional trainers um, free classes, infrared saunas, and plenty of parking in a convenient St. Peterport location. If you're interested in upgrading your fitness, you can get a sneak peek at the new Rohays space at an open morning on Saturday, the 20th of May, or head to upgrade.fitness online to find out more, including details of a special founder's rate available to anyone who signs up before the official opening on the 1st of June. 
Uh, right, cycling now, and it was uh, great to catch up with Guernsey rider Jack Reed while he was back in the island recently. Um, Jack's now based in Brittany, pursuing his cycling ambitions across the water, and by the sounds of it, really relishing the experience. He's also had a boost this season, earning the support of Sports Aid, a charity which supports talented young athletes to achieve their ambitions in sport and life. Um, they've helped some really big names in the past, so great to see him getting that backing. As I say, Jack dropped into our studio here at the Guernsey press and I began by asking him just to explain where his cycling's at. I finished my A-levels last year um, and my dream has always been to become a professional cyclist. Um, so I sort of last summer I spent what Brexit would allow me, uh, my 90 days, and I went and raced my bike in uh, France around the Brittany area um, and I loved it. I had a great time over there uh, and the three months went really quick. Um, so then for this the whole year uh, over the winter, I've uh, got a visa so I can stay in France for the year and I'm pretty much carrying on what I see as my dream uh, and racing my bike out is sort of my job, I guess. I guess you could say that um, for a, yeah, a French national team out there, which, yeah, is really good. Oh, incredible. And what's, you know, for people who don't know what cycling looks like in France, obviously, you know, it's a huge sport there, isn't it? Um, at, at the level you're at the moment, what do the races look like? What's the whole kind of, what's the whole setup look like? I mean, even just from uh, last year to this year, it's just crazy that it's like part of the sort of country, I'd say it's the cycling as a sport. Um, even just the smaller races that I was doing last year, the whole town sort of shuts down for the whole weekend with races across the whole weekend and then the main one being on the Sunday afternoon. They close all the roads, everyone comes out with their flags and celebrates it and all the old boys as well. And it's just really nice atmosphere having that sort of thing around where you have people cheering you on and it makes it feel like it's a professional race. And then obviously this year, the bigger races I've done, it's got more and more of that bigger sort of feel to what the top level of racing is where you have the press there and you have you're signing on with the presentations before and after and it really it's yeah it's for me this year I've gone like wow this is what it must feel for sort of the top top riders out there and yeah, it's amazing how the the country all sort of embraces the whole sport of cycling. And how have you got on this year? What's uh, what, what, how do you sort of assess your own performances? So, I mean, it's been a year of ups and downs so far. Um, but I always knew moving up to this new level. Obviously, last year I was a junior, and I've moved to the under twenty three level this year. So, just that jump alone is huge. And I think that across all sports, it's like that really. Um, so the races are longer. The races are harder. There's more teams now. Instead of last year, I was sort of riding. You're in a team, but everyone was riding for themselves. Now people sacrifice themselves for other riders. So that style of racing is completely different. Um, I would also say, so so the start of the season, I had a, moving up to that level, I had a few uh, difficult races where I was involved in crashes. Um, so quite mentally, that was challenging. Obviously coming into it and straight away being knocked down. Um but I'd sort of, the team I've been with have been really supportive. Um, they know that what my situation is, that I'm a foreign rider and they've been really supportive. So we've sort of since then progressed again and again and again. Um, and the past few weeks racing has been really good. I mean, I've got more confident in this big elite national sort of level of bunch, which has been the big step up. I felt like 
as the season's gone on so far, my legs and my form has been growing, but it's just the things like the race craft and moving through a peloton of 200 riders is all completely new for me. I mean, the local racing over here, 10 riders is what I'm normally used to. So it's it's taken me a while to get used to it. And I'm, I'm not there yet, but I feel like with the season going on, hopefully every race there's improvements and then yeah towards the end of the season we'll have to see once i get used to it all a bit more <laughs> yeah what's the secret of, of maneuvering through <laughs> such a big peloton it's just being aggressive really I, i'm not that sort of person where i don't i feel but really i'd see it with some of my teammates that they just switch on the bike they're really nice off the bike but once you're on the bike in that group you've got to really stand your ground and tell them tell people you're there um, so it's been a bit of a shock doing that as well, really saying, shouting around and I mean, yeah. in French as well. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot of swear words in French <laughs> normally. Um, but yeah, you've got to really be aggressive with all of it. And the times when I got to the front of the peloton, I saw uh, to start off with, I thought, oh, that's it. Right. I'm at the front now. We can sort of relax a bit, but then the next minute, two minutes later, because of the tax are constantly going, you're 30, 40 riders back. So it's that constant keeping on top of being at the front, obviously, because being at the front, that's where less crashes are. That's where the race winning moves are. So it's important to be at the front and see what's going on. Whereas towards the back is the, the danger area, really. So you don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Because, you know, I'm no expert on cycling, but it seems like it's this combination with cycling that you get these super long races so it's incredibly taxing physically but equally the concentration is sort of non-stop so presumably mentally as well you're having to work really hard oh yeah i mean sometimes you're more physic or more mentally tired than you are physically at the end of a race if you're concentrating for four hours going right where am i when's the next feeds when's the next climb what's the wind direction you sort of just let the legs do what they do and if the legs are good then you're staying at the front of the race. If the legs aren't, then it's a different story. But yeah, sometimes like physically is not the main thing. It's the more mental concentration is the toughest part for me. Again, with the Guernsey, compared to the Guernsey racing I've done in the past, I've never, I've never really had to concentrate that much for a Guernsey race. It's more follow, just follow the moves where, yeah, it's a lot more concentrating. Yeah. And what's the kind of target for this season? And as you say, moving up, is it is it just a learning experience and just continue to, to soak up that that experience? Yeah. So again, I th the team have been really supportive with it. Obviously, I want to do my best for the team and I want to get them as many results as I can and help them where I can. But they also understand that I'm the youngest rider on the team. It's a big step up for me. And it's for every sort of rider my age across all the teams in France that this jumps really big. Um, so really it's getting used to this level of racing, getting used to the race craft, learning how to go through the convoy of cars and collect bottles and help the riders out. And I mean, any results I get on top of that is just a bonus. I mean, uh, helping the team, it's just nice to do as well. Helping the team out and say if ride for one of the riders and they get a result is just as much of a, as a win for me as it is for the whole team in that atmosphere I think it's just as important really it's a, it's for me it's a year of learning um so yeah that that's my main goal for this year is just to learn this first year of the under 23 category and then for coming years we'll have to see in terms of my confidence yeah fantastic and it seems like you've been really bold and kind of making this move you know you've been doing it for a couple of years now at least 
um, kind of going it alone in France, but you've um, you've picked up some support from Sports Aid um, this year. Um, just explain what that is and, and and how important it is. Yeah, so I'm so honoured and privileged to be supported by both Sports Aid and the Royal Bank of Canada this year. Um, they've supported, I mean, some of the top athletes across the UK for numerous years across all sports I mean you've got likes of Bradley Wiggins Chris Hoy Mark Cavendish just from the cycling side of it then you've got all your top other Olympians um and I mean how I came across it was uh Dan Gillamut who works for the sport commission was really over in Guernsey really helped me out um and they select two athletes from Guernsey and Jersey every year to be supported and Dan obviously being a cyclist himself and working for one of the professional teams knew what my situation was this year and knew how difficult it would be for me uh, and he nominated me for an award for sports aid through the sports commission uh, and thankfully yeah, I got I got accepted for it so I mean yeah truly honored for what to be just part of the name of people on the list but then also again without their support I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing out in France so yeah it's it's a really amazing to be honest and uh, you know you're sort of part of a, a you know it's a group of athletes that, that are taken on each year right and um so just to be is it quite inspiring just to be amongst them as well yes definitely so um when I went to the welcoming event in London last month I was sort of around all of these athletes my age that the the country's best really um so just hearing their story and also hearing the story of former athletes who have gone through sports aid and were at the event, it really sort of motivated me. And yeah, I mean, well, I felt like I was motivated before, but then I was like, right, I want to really try 120% when I get back to France and really sort of give something back for what they're giving me. Um, and it was nice to see, I guess, why well, I started following quite a lot of the athletes now. So see how they get on in the future for the coming Commonwealth Games, the Olympic Games, and sort of being part of that as well is really special. Yeah, and is that kind of representation, is that something that, that you're you're aspiring to? I mean, we've got an Island Games this year. Is that on the radar as well? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, the Island Games this year, it's for the cycling, it, I think it's really tough. Obviously not being in Guernsey as well. Um, there's potentially 10 plus riders just for the five on the road men's side that I hopefully be going for. Um, so I, I feel a bit sorry for the selectors, to be honest, because it's going to be a difficult process, splitting it down to five riders that, I've, I mean, out of the 10 are all really strong. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. But going forward as well, Commonwealth Games, is that something? Yeah, that I'd love to do the, the Commonwealth Games in the future. I mean, I, I got close with the Youth Commonwealth Games. Um, obviously, COVID affected that. So I never was able to participate in it um but i mean uh, yeah commonwealth games in the future would definitely be uh, an aim for me in the got, coming years yeah and i've got to ask you just about sam colwell as well obviously i mean he's had some rotten luck i know yeah um his professional team folding in, in england um there was some talk about i think he suggested he might try and you know look to france uh, as an opportunity to get some racing um kind of what, what what's your i don't know if advice is the right word but but what sort of opportunities are there for him um to sort of that side of the water yeah i mean it's really sad seeing the way the uk scene's going um in the, like the last decade especially with local riders like tobin horton how it was booming after bradley wiggins won the tour de france um i think for france it's the level of racing for Sam would be awesome over there. I think he would be right in his element. But the the two main problems that I've faced is 
the Brexit situation with only having 90 days. Um, and then also it's the licenses for being able to enter into the races. Um, I've struggled the past two years lots with it. And that's been with support from teams where if I think with Sam coming over as a solo rider is certainly a lot more difficult uh, with a team. It's slightly better, but and the, I'm not going to lie that the French are slightly backwards with it still a bit. So it, it's not as up to date as the UK side of it is in terms of entering and stuff. So it's a lot harder. Whereas for me, I've been very lucky. I've had the team there and they've always been able to support me with sorting out the licenses and entering into the races. Whereas I think someone coming at it solo, it's really difficult and, and another level again, really, to try and sort out and something to stress and worry about. Yeah. Oh, hopefully uh, he gets it cracked. Yeah. And, I, and gets I, sort of like seen. I really, it's so sad to see it. I mean, not just him, but I mean, the amount of UK riders that I feel like there'll be a sort of a gap in the next few years with the UK scene whittling down and new UK talent coming through. I think there'll be a gap with not being able to come to Europe because of Brexit and being able to race. And then when they get there, it's difficult with the licenses. So I've seen it a lot in France of riders trying to come over and I hope the best for Sam. And I would love to see him up there as well doing, I mean, he's got the, the talent and everything. He works so hard. I would love to see him at that top level. Yeah, it's tough as well, isn't it? I guess, as you say, the difficulty of getting to France because that is the sort of the beating heart of the sport. Yeah. Um, um, oh, well, well, we'll watch his progress, obviously, with, with yeah, great definitely. interest and wish him all the best. Um, for you, um, what are the sort of events that you've got on your horizon that you're kind of earmarking, sort of, so, uh, you know, domestically in France? Um, so as the season sort of progresses, there's more and more stage races. Um, quite a lot of the start of the season stuff was sort of your classic style races where it's a one-day event. Um, and it's a hard, classic sort of Brittany, lots of climbing and a tough day out where as the season sort of progresses, it goes to more of your stage races where it's multiple days. And then you also have involvement of the time trial bikes. So then again, for overall standings of the races, it goes completely splits up, really. It's not just one day hard as you can. It's a lot more tactical things like reconnaissances become really important. Um, so, I mean, through the summer, that's really what it changes towards is that sort of type of racing, but you still have um, sort of the one day races as well. So there are quite a lot of the bigger races I did last year as a junior that hopefully I'll get selected for this year um, as an under 23. Uh, an example of that is a Plue is a professional race, but I mean, it goes, UCI levels that goes all the way down to the juniors. So I did it last year. It'll go to the under 23 elite level this year. And then, well, in theory, the step above that is the professional, what all the world tour best professional riders are doing. So it, it it's nice to see that sort of level of racing and how it merges all in Brittany. Yeah, amazing. And yeah, you mentioned Brittany there just finally. What, what's it like being based in France? And you were saying before, just the cycling, there's a lot of freedom on the roads, no traffic lights, no yeah. traffic. Uh, I mean, I, I've only been back here for a couple of days and I've already wanted to go back to riding the Brittany roads. Obviously, being on the island's great and it's lovely, um, but the roads in Brittany, you can do 20 kilometres on a dead straight road and sometimes barely see a car. Um, it's certainly a lot hillier over there. It's surprising how much it's the lumps are. Um, but yeah, for riding wise and training, it's great. I mean, it's always a worry over here because it's such a small island with traffic that to 
train with cars around can be quite dangerous and there's accidents often where uh, there's not something really have to think about in Brittany um especially if you go out around lunchtime when they're all sleeping <laughs> um but I mean living in France as well has been great I've I've really enjoyed all of it it's obvious that just that side of it is something I'm learning every day just living on my own and being around my house and not relying on my parents it's it's constantly getting used to that as well but it's also great fun i mean yeah it 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 can be at times quite difficult um i would definitely say the lows are a lot lower because you've got no one there to support you um but the highs are just as good um yeah and it's just a nice nice lovely area to be around for bike riding <laughs> yeah awesome well fantastic to to catch up and yeah thank um you. great great to see you kind of pursuing your dream and yeah and, and putting it all out there so um yeah all the best for the rest of the season we'll uh yeah we'll keep an eye on you yeah thank you very much for having me on <laughs> Jack Reed there. Um, yeah, Jamie, good to see him doing well over in France. I mean, how common is it for local riders to make that move? I think France is definitely one of their pathways that a local rider who wants to really up his game and is relatively young should consider taking. Um, I think Jack's fallen into a fantastic setup with a sports aid support. He's kept sort of, his team are kind of on the second step of a ladder, like at amateur level nationally. So obviously that's a high level. Um, he sort of appears to be sort of a novice of the team, but he, he seems to be learning really well. It'll be interesting to see where this season takes him. Well, we'll keep an eye on Jack's progress this summer, see if he makes the island game spot. Lots of selections being made at the moment, so keep an eye on the Guernsey Press um, to keep abreast of all that. Um, right, finally this week, let's talk golf. Um, Gareth, a big season just getting underway and a big week ahead with our, our own Guernsey Press elite foursomes um, starting on Sunday. Um, we'll hear from Jez Nicol in a moment. Um, he's been champion in the first two editions of the tournament. Can he do it again? Uh, he can do. He's got another new partner this year, uh, having won the initial, uh, the inaugural event uh, with Jake Marshall and then um, uh, retaining the trophy, but with um, CJ Elmy last year. Uh, he's actually going to be partnering his dad, Dave, who's uh, a, a multiple uh, interinsular cap winner over the years. Dave, he's a really steady player. Yeah, they, they should make um, a pretty s solid, steady pairing, which is what you need for foursomes. Well, let's hear from Jez now. Um, he popped in um, to see us here at the Guernsey Press and we started by asking him about that partnership with his dad. <laughs> yeah, it's done all right for me changing partners. So, um, yeah, I'm playing with dad this year. Um, That'll be interesting. Hopefully, uh, we'll still be talking by the end of the week. That's that's the biggest goal, I suppose. But yeah, it'll be. Uh, I enjoy the foursomes. Obviously, had a good couple of years playing in it. So hopefully, we can uh, have a little bit of a run and see if we can get anywhere with it. And are you the senior partner? <laughs> Uh, we'll have to see what happens there. <laughs> he might try and pull rank a couple of times. We'll see. I haven't played a huge amount of golf with him in recent years, so it'll just be nice to get out and spend some time with him more than anything. Yeah, fantastic. Who asked who? I asked him. Yeah, he's. <laughs> he wouldn't... I don't think he would have kind of had it on his radar, to be honest, but I phoned him up when he was at work. He's like, oh, yeah, why not? Go on then. We'll give it a while. We'll see what happens. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be good fun. Like I say, it'll just, it's, it's nice to get out and play with Dad, really. I haven't played golf with him in a long time. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. <laughs> Do you think his game will suit foursomes? I mean, obviously yours does, because, you, like you say, you've won this twice so far. But um, how do you think his game stacks up for that format? He's always been really steady. So hopefully I'll be playing from the fairway a lot more than I do playing my own ball. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he'll... Uh, 
hoping he'll be a pretty solid partner. I know he's he can get it round. He's done well recently in one of the Thursday competitions. So yeah, I think we'll I think we'll do all right. What is it about the the form foursomes format that you enjoy, Jez? Not having to play the next shot. <laughs> um, yeah, I, the guys that I've played with over the last couple of years in this have been really good mates of mine. So uh, naturally, we're we're very relaxed. So we just go out, have a bit of a laugh, and enjoy it. Uh, if we hit a couple of bad shots and just can laugh it off a bit more, whereas if you play them with someone perhaps a bit more serious, like oh, please don't be annoyed. <laughs> but, yeah, like I say, we've, we've they've been fairly relaxed, Jake mm. and CJ. I'm pretty sure Dad won't be too... Uh, he's more or less expecting me to hit a couple in the bush going for silly <laughs> shots, but hey-ho, it'll be, it'll be uh, interesting. Like I say, it'll be good fun. And it's still a relatively new event, um, sort of brought in to, I guess, give you guys a bit more experience in that format, kind of with a, with an eye on interinches and stuff like that. Has it had the desired effect? Has it, has it improved the level of play in that format locally? It's difficult to say. Um I don't know really the partnerships that have actually translated from the elite foursomes match into the um, Marathi. So I played with CJ last year and we had a good run and won it. Um, and we both got selected for the Island team that year, but we didn't play together in the foursomes. We played four ball together. I, I played with Andy Egg. Um, so... And we lost, so maybe it would have been worth trying. <laughs> so Dave Jeffrey crit this tournament yeah. has paid no attention to yeah. it. <laughs> Captain Fantastic. <laughs> but um yeah, I I think it could be good for years to come, like I was saying just before um to you guys. There are there is quite a good crop of young players coming through and I think a few of those guys are playing together. So it's a perfect chance for them to play together put in some results possibly against some some good players and some good pairings and give them a good shout going forward into island matches because ultimately they're, they're going to be the future of Guernsey Golf. So we need to, it'd be good to see players like Jaden, Rory, I know Chedham's just turned 18, but him as well, all coming through, shooting some good scores and beating some of the big guys in the island in matches like this and, and getting them into island teams. What's it like for someone like you who who's still a young man and I mean you've, you've achieved you. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean you've obviously achieved quite a lot in your golf career so far I mean you've been an island champion whatever but yeah. all of a sudden you see this crop of juniors and they're I think they're all sort of dragging each other up to really high standards and what have you um, does that make you sort of improve your game or how I mean how do you sort of view that challenge coming up from from the youngsters um, I love it to be fair it's it's great to see um, like I said we are at a stage now where you're looking at possibly in the next few years, the likes of Bobby and Diego, um, players like Daniel Griggs, that will possibly move, be moving out of playing for the Ireland team. So we do need this crop of talent coming through. Um, and more than anything, I think it's it's good to see. It is a little bit of a, if you were get to get paired against one of them in the Ireland Championship, it might be one of those where you think, well, this could be a bit interesting, you know, but um, I'm fairly laid back when it comes down to things like that. I'm just more than happy to see them progressing and doing well, uh, offer support where I can um, and encourage them to do better. You know, it'd be nice to see them going overseas, playing for the likes of Hampshire um, and developing their games over there. So fingers crossed that in the next few years, they keep keep going on with it and develop and become good island players. That's what we want to see ultimately. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned Hampshire there. Yeah. Um, there was the return of the, the sort of CIA Hampshire um, fixer over in Jersey at the weekend, which you were involved in. Um, yeah. Just talk us through that and what it was like to, to be sort of back playing in that, that game. Yeah, it was good fun. Uh, the weather wasn't very uh, favourable on Saturday afternoon when we got there, but it was quite windy and rainy. But it was... It's a great season opener. Um, made me so certainly realise the areas of the game that I need to improve. Watching these guys flush it, and I'm there, sort of looking for my ball in the rough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a great match. Uh, it's it's taken seriously. Um, almost it's it's almost a friendly for them, but we like to try and take it seriously to try and find out where our games are at for the season ahead. So um, I know what I need to improve on now. I had two really good games one alongside Danny Blondell who I always enjoy playing with and then I played really well in the singles on the Sunday and managed to get a half point um, so pretty nice way to kind of open the season and hopefully can kind of press on and start working on certain parts of the game to get stronger for the rest of the season ahead. So it's going to something like that when you're facing perhaps new faces, which you don't often get perhaps over here and within Channel Island Golf because you, you know sort of all the top players. Do you sort of very much concentrate on your own game or do you actually watch these newer guys or sort of opponents from Hampshire and, and sort of try and take a few sort of tips and what have you from how they're playing? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely keep an eye on them. Um, it's interesting seeing... But when you sat around the dinner table with them at lunch or um, in the evening, like we we went out for dinner with the Hampshire team and you hear the number of them that are looking to turn professional and to try and make a living out of it. So there are some very, very good players that they bring over. I don't believe they had their full squad with them this time around, but it is worthwhile watching because like I say, you can, if you use that as a benchmark, these are supposed to be the best eight players in Hampshire, which is the county in which we play. So, um, if you can use them as a benchmark of where your game is, then it's a good way to turn around and say, right, okay, I really need to work it. But for me, I knew I was miles off where I need to be off the tee and I struggled around the, well, on the greens. Chipping was pretty good, but I know that I need to concentrate on that coming up. Um, certainly with events around the corner that I'd like to do well in. I've got a few, a few competitions that I've sort of put rings around in the calendar I know that I need to be playing well for them. So those are two aspects of the game that I'll be working hard on. Um, but that's, like I say, based off of what I'm seeing from these guys. When you practice and play a lot by yourself, it's very difficult to try and realise, actually, this is a weak part of the game and this is a strong point. So to compare it against the best in the county, it's definitely a pretty good point to go off of. Presumably one of the uh, the more inked rings will be the island games, will it? Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave Jeffrey, yeah, not not long um, naming his final four, um, which you're obviously a part of. Um, yeah, in terms of sort of where it sits in the season, yeah, you know, as you said, you sort of told us before, you, you know, you, you took a bit of a break from golf over the winter and sort of yeah. recently got back into it. I mean, do, does it feel like you need to hit the ground running to, to have a successful Island Games, or um, do you read too much into kind of, or, or can you read too much into your early season form? I think you can read a bit too much into it. It is still around three months away. So um, if, you, if you're out there every single day playing and practicing, you can drive yourself a little bit crazy with it, to be honest. Um, so like I say, the Island Championships is something that I've got a, a focus on. I'd like to have a good run in that. It won't be the be all and end all of my season. Um, the Island Games is very much the big one for me this year. But 
I will be practicing with that in the back of my mind, but I won't really start focusing on it. I'll try and push it to the back of my mind until maybe about a month before where I can really kind of knuckle down and say, right, okay, it's not far away now. <clears throat> we need to start working on things and getting the game ready for that. Cause I'm one of those people, if I start working on things too intensely too early in the season, then I can kind of burn out. So we're, we're really looking to try and peak for around that time. I don't want to peak too early and start posting good numbers too early before that I'd, I'd i need to start posting the numbers around and during that time so um yeah it will be it's, it's something that i'm gonna have to go away and take a look at and try and figure out how we're going to peak at, at the games uh, obviously the games has played a 72 hole sort of stroke play format which we have sort of one a year over here generally if, if you get the chance of playing it because it's sort of during during working time really um what do you think sort of like the keys to success are in a, in a 72 holer uh, keeping your head for sure. Um, you're going to hit bad shots and that's guaranteed. Um, over 72 holes, no matter who you are or how well you're playing, you're going to hit bad shots. I remember Norman Wood said to me a few years ago, um, it's not about how good the good ones are, it's about how good the bad ones are. So if um, if I can kind of keep that in mind and and sort of if I've put myself out of position just get it back in position and just keep the big numbers off of the card that will be a really big thing I've got one of my best mates in Jack Ogier caddy in for me that week so um, he should be a quite he's, he's a good friend of mine like I say he'll he'll keep me level-headed um, it's just nice to have someone close to you to be able to talk to. It's going to be a long time out there. So the more settled you are out there, I think it's going to help a lot. So having Jack on the bag, I'm sure he, he's already doing his homework. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll be ready, hopefully. And how much, I mean, in a lot, Ireland games is great and being at home is great, but how much does home advantage count in, in a golf tournament of that sort of um, duration? Oh, it's massive. Um to go away and play a golf course that you haven't played before and learn it over a couple of days and be able to stand on the first year of the tournament confident that you're going to go out and shoot really good scores isn't going to be very easy. It's doable, but it's you've got to put in your homework. You've really got to be confident in your skill set. Um, playing around home, you know where, where to hit the ball. You know how to get it around. I'm pretty sure I've played in just about every possible conditions we can play in. Um, so yeah, it's just work on the areas of the game that I know are going to be important for that week and try and hit the ground running with practice just before in the build up for that and try like I say, try and peak at the right time because I know that I can go low around that golf course. Um, the, Ollie's done a great job on the course. So no, there shouldn't be any excuses really for us to to go out there and hopefully contend. That's the that's the ultimate goal is to try and contend in the team and the individual. Well, we've got a few weeks to go, as you say. So yeah, uh, yeah keep on the back of your mind for now, and keep one eye on the uh, the back of the press because yeah. uh, we're counting down the top hundred golfers. So you uh, as long pay as close in, attention. Yeah, as long as I'm in front of Dad. That's <laughs> what <that's. laughs> we'll see. Yeah, you got to keep. I, I haven't actually seen the the, the list beyond the, what keeps appearing in the press myself. So um, I'm interested to find that out as well. <laughs> yeah, well hopefully you're still talking by the time uh, you get through the uh, through the, the elite foursomes. Um, good luck in that. We'll um, yeah, we'll catch you soon. Yeah, nice one. Thank you guys. Cheers, mate. 
Jess Nichol there. As we say, the Elite Men's Foursome starts Sunday, so keep an eye out for coverage of that in the paper um, from next week. Um, before we wrap up, just a quick word on um, the countdown that's underway in the, the pages of the paper. Rob Batty's rundown of the 100 greatest um, local male golfers um, is uh, yeah well underway. What's the reaction been so far? Uh, Has the phone been going off the hook? <laughs> Some people have been speaking to Rob about it. Certainly, um, when I've been down Lancrest since it began, there's people really interested in reading um, about the, more about perhaps the olden days guys. Who they, they, a lot of trophies nowadays are named after these guys who have sort of achieved so much in, in local golf um, back, in the, back in yesteryear. And uh, it's just great to find out sort of more about those old characters. And uh, I'm sure as we get nearer sort of like the top 10 or the top 20, um, quite a lot of the current big big guns will be interested to see where they place and uh, there might be a few bragging right issues going on um, in the next uh, few weeks well keep an eye out in the paper as that rundown continues um, right that's just about it from us for this week um, our thanks to Upgrade Fitness once again um, if you're not already do give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sport the place to go make sure you hit follow subscribe as well wherever you're getting your podcast to get every episode delivered straight to you we'll be back every Wednesday um, with the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast and of course, uh, as ever, make sure you pick up a paper six days a week for comprehensive local sports coverage. Thanks very much, guys. See you soon. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.